You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Well, good. Let's, uh, let's do it. What's going on in real estate this week, guys? I've got a couple of new listings going on. I'll tell you what, everything is kind of sold. Uh, I have the least listing inventory I've ever, I probably ever had for the last 20 years. Really? I have that many houses available right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I I normally, because, well, I've got new construction, but I normally carry about 25 to 30 at a time. And I, right now I'm down to like 12. In existing, Andy? Uh, Yeah, I'm probably 50, 50. But yeah, we're down. You're, you're at half of what you're normal. All, models, all of our inventory homes, everything uh, in a good way uh, has yeah. found new families and that uh, is all good. So what's interesting though, is that we were building that inventory last year, you know, in an effort to, you know, appease the, the lack of inventory. And so now we're going to have that kind of that lull again, I think where all the builders inventory is sold. And the new stuff that's being produced is great, but it's it's still, you know, April, May of next year before it'll be available. Chris has a house under construction right now for himself. A little remodeling. Hopefully done in the middle of December. So that'll be good. We picked the floor here on this show a couple of weeks ago, remember? Yes, yeah. we did. Did you go with the the um the advice of the followers of the page? I did. They made the right choices. It might have been some of the people that were selling it to me that picked it too. So <laughs> it might have helped that they chimed in in the comments section. Yeah. yeah. So, so you right now are in in uh, Prior Lake. Yes. And you sold your Minnetonka Rambler. Yes. And then you sold the house that you're sitting in right now. Yes. And what house are you moving into now? Well, we're remodeling a house right now, but who knows? We still have our Minnetonka. What's that? What city is that one in? You know the life of a realtor. You never know. It might you might move into it. You might sell it. I thought I know. didn't until I met you, and then now I'm like I'm the guy that I, I feel boring sitting in my same house for 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I tell you, it'd be really hard for me. I, I like change, so I do too. But you know what's funny is like it's it's okay. Brings up an interesting point. So I find comfort in having a nice house, same house. You know, I like all my stuff. I know where everything is. Um, and my change that I, you know, like is in my business. So I, I see more of that happening like on a weekly or a daily basis almost now, it seems like, where things change, we adapt, we, you know, but what I find comfort in is being able to go back to the good old fashioned homestead and uh, relax. But you you do it a little differently. You like to keep guessing. Yeah. I think I think it's a hazard of the trade as well. You see so many different things, you know. And get uh, different ones. I, I I think I would have stayed in this house um, longer. It's just probably just a little too large um, for us at, at the time of the life we're at. But I I'm all about the location, you know, and, and how it sits. Yeah. And so yeah, well, you know, and that that's that's good too, because you know I think as we you know our kids get a little older too, and we're you know kind of both of us. Uh, you you've got one that's already off playing uh, football overseas and, and uh, he's overseas. Uh, he was, yeah. Or is he still? 
Well, yeah, he goes to Mexico on Saturday for a month, and then he comes back and then leaves for Italy in the middle of, uh, supposedly in the middle of January. Nice. Wow. Yeah. He's a he's an interesting character, let me tell you. Are you going to go watch him play? We will. Yeah, he played in Denmark um, and then Italy last year. The, he was there the whole time, but the season got canceled. And so they're hoping the season goes uh, again. And then, yeah, we'll definitely, I'll definitely go over there. So will you do the show from, live from, from another country and show all of us? Absolutely. Like a cool backdrop? Uh, absolutely. A real one. <laughs> a real one, just like Andy's office right there. <laughs> Speaking of that, Jennifer just chimed in on our Facebook page and said, Andy, your house is the best. I'd stay there 17 years, too. That is true. You put a lot of upgrades into that house to make it perfect for your family. Yeah, I had too many years of building under my belt and getting all those good ideas and then kind of incorporated everything I thought was cool into a house. And here we sit. So what are we talking about this week? What are we or not- that's, that's your job. What are we talking about? Yeah. Talking about whether or not it's a good it's a good time to get into real estate. Everything from investing to getting your real estate license. So well, let's let's, let's start, talk about the market. Okay. Well, or do you want, or, do you want to talk about the market or getting a license? Yeah, let's talk about getting a license. Okay. So I think uh, I mean it's happening quite a bit right now. We've had uh, four uh, brand new agents just started our brokerage, and it's it's really interesting. And and it wasn't none of them were you know what, there's no other job, I got to go do real estate, because that happens quite a bit. And people think, you know, they watch HGTV and think it would be really cool to go look at houses. But I mean, some looking and then selling them and representing people is probably something a little different. But uh, very interesting uh, group of people that all have been in other careers. And just and I I think it's this whole, whatever we're living in, just like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And they're excited. Um, to do it and coming from uh, other businesses that, you know, they were doing very well <laughs> and, and going into real estate and real estate takes a little time to get going. I mean, even if you do fantastic and great and sell a house in your first week, you're not going to get paid for at least a couple months, you know? So it's, it's not like you, you got to have a little, little, little money stacked up uh, behind. I remember when I started and Andy, I don't know, I think you, you came in, um, uh, better position than probably what I was, but I came in right up from college. I mean, it was my first job and I couldn't sell a house for six months. And I think when you're a realtor, you're afraid to say, well, yeah, you know what? I'm also a bartender over at Applebee's, you know, kind of gives you l- less credibility, but I decided to take that and, and say, Hey, this is a great thing. And I used it as uh, a way in which to be able to you know, tell people, you know what, hey, this is this is supporting my 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 career and what I really want to do. And uh, and if I didn't have this job, I wouldn't be able to stay in real estate. So I didn't sell a house for six months and then finally sold it. And I came in knowing that my both my parents were in real estate, you know, so I was kind of like, I mean, it was going to be easy for me. And uh, and I didn't sell something for six months. So everyone always beats me on that first sale. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> after that, it kind of just started going, um, you know, good. But Andy, you came in from, uh, you were you were making money um, before getting into real estate. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I had a, a corporate job and was uh, doing very well selling. And, and it was uh, my, my, also my, I, well, I don't want to get into my whole background, but my, my family was in the cabinet business that supplied builders. 
was inspired by one of the builders we met that said, you know, hey, look at everybody sitting on the job site. Your dad makes thin margins. You know, there was a roofer on the house. He goes, that guy risks his life every day to get up on that roof. Um, and he goes, I take all the risk financially. He goes, you want to be the guy down the street, the guy that just pulled up in the new Cadillac sitting at the model home. And that was uh, actually Jim Stanton was, uh, those of you that have been around a while, um, Jim was uh, an intimidating character and he's passed away a couple of years ago, but um, the uh, he was one of the first guys that inspired me to get in the business. And he said, kid, he goes, you're smart. You understand construction. He goes, you can make a really nice living. You should get into it. So I got into it first. Um, my parents got into it and then I kind of stayed in my corporate job and they took off. And so it was kind of interesting where we, um, you know, I kind of was like the part-timer on ice licensed, if you will, kind of guy for about, I don't know, four years and then went full speed, jumped into it. You know, we started having kids and then, uh, my wife said, well, Hey, why don't I do, you know, your support side of things and you go out and just sell stuff and make a mess and I'll clean it up. And so I, I carried a corporate job for a long time, side by side while I was doing real estate on evenings and weekends, um, just to support me. So I was, I had my regular job that paid all my bills and then real estate, I stayed in, I did both side by side until I had one year's salary in the bank. And then I, I spun off full time into real estate. I was, and then I like tripled my income the next year. So I was, I was so scared to not have an income that, you know, Anyway. Do you guys see most of the new agents on your team have a separate job outside of real estate as they're getting started or do, do most of them just dive into real estate? I, I would say a majority are, are supplementing it in somehow, some way and, and starting it kind of like what Andy said. But I think what's interesting, I've known Andy, what, 12 years now? That's the first time I ever heard that story. I thought your parents were in it before and they got you into it, but you started, got into it. But I remember you always talking about that you did open houses like on the weekends and then sat in the models. Well, I talked, I, I basically was with my dad back when I was pretty young. We were, when I, my dad used to, we used to call on uh, contractors. I'd sit in the basement and cold call for my dad and, and set up appointments for him to go out and give bids on cabinets. And I was like 14, 15 years old. I was just a punk. And uh, so I'd be like, hey, this is Andy Prasky. How you doing? Uh, with cabinet brokers, we'd love to give you a bid on your, and I had the Keystone Report, any of you that are old enough again to remember, the Keystone Report would show all the permits that were pulled for builders. I'd say one, two, three, four Main Street. We'd love to give you a proposal on your cabinets, show you what we can do, save you some money, give you some more options on finishes, door styles. I said, it's stuck in my head. And these guys were like, well, will you carry me to close? Sure we will. And that's what I used to, I, my dad was... <laughs> We, we, so I'd set him up on appointments and, you know, of course the, the only guys that would take appointments from a 14 year old kid were the ones that needed the credit. So we'd be meeting with <laughs> dicey dudes. I mean, people that really needed the, I mean, we had a lot of great customers too, but you know, it was kind of funny. He's, my dad still makes fun of me because of that. He goes, yeah, that was a great one. You know, but, uh, you know, we, we learned from the inside out how, I mean, I think that's what intrigued me with, with real estate was the idea of being able to measure and supply that industry. And I love being part of something that was being built. And I normally would have not fell into real estate. I can guarantee I wouldn't have. I probably would own a big landscaping company right now or something, because if I didn't have that new construction component, I don't think um, in my heart I, I had, you know, that in me, you know, I like being part of something that you can build. 
it's interesting talking about your 14. When I was 15, I was helping my, my dad was started building houses and uh, my mom and dad. And uh, I was at a house and I was doing some landscaping and putting up a wall and uh, a, a person came by and I'm like, they're like, Hey, is this house available? I said, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll show it to you. And so I showed it to him. Well, this guy eventually ended up buying it. And so I keep telling my dad, he still owes me a commission because I never got paid, but it, it turned out to be like the worst client he's ever had. So, right. Yeah. Wasn't it? So I hear about it all the time as well. Well, they, my mom and dad used to get mad at me because when they, so they were licensed and they, they uh, had an opportunity to work for a builder and they were sitting in the, in the model. And it was kind of funny because the, uh, the model that we opened, they actually named after my son because they, my dad and mom designed this house for this builder. So they called it the Connor, which, you know, obviously now he's 23 some years old. So um, that was way back. And um, they would say, Hey, we'll give you a thousand bucks for every lot hold you'd get, um, you know, at closing. And so I'd sit there as a, as a, like a model home grader and I'd call my dad and go, well, Hey, I got five lot holds today. He's like, Holy crap. How'd you get five lot holds? <laughs> I, Cause I didn't care. You know, what's kind of funny is that kind of dovetails into, is it a good time to get into real estate? And it, it, it's all about your mindset. I, I truly believe that is that it's a, you know, when you're not selling anything, but you're enthusiastic about the product that you're representing, like in any industry, you'll do well. And, you know, I, I made a couple notes knowing today's show. I said, you know, selling homes successfully is not easy, number one. So remember that. Um, it's a game on 24-7 servicing profession, for sure. Um, you're actually a therapist or what I call a translator for your builder or your, you're a counselor for, you know, between customer and, and buyer seller. Um, and, and you have to make it your lifestyle because if your mindset's not there where you want to help people um, to own a new home, you're not going to really ever achieve that satisfaction. And, and I would also leave you with this. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of people like new construction, um, when you look at the statistics of new construction, most top producing new construction agents are in the top 3% of income earners nationwide. So that's why people that get into new construction stay in it because it can be, it can be very lucrative compared to others. And I think sometimes new construction is a supplement too. It's yep. something that's always kind of going. And I think, you know, when we're talking about getting into real estate, I mean, and obviously you're talking about building, that is a great way in which to maybe start and to get a feel for it. And, and that is maybe as a host in a, in a model home, because, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of people that come through model homes and not all of them are buyers. You know, a lot of them are, are looking for, you know, decorating ideas or, or just checking it out or something to, something to kind of do. I mean, we see that in the parade of homes every year. You know, if you get a thousand people through and you have 10 that are interested, I mean, that's probably pretty good. Um, that, that you're getting. And so, but getting used to that and getting used to the hours because there is a lot of hours and it depends how you, what you want to do in real estate. And, you know, a lot of times people come into real estate and they, they give you 700 things that you need to do to be able to be a realtor. Well, there's 698 of them that you just can't stand. Well, you're not going to do 698 of them. So take those two things and just do them well. And, and I think a lot of people, they don't do that. They think they have to you know, like for me going and knocking on a door, it's not going to happen. I'm not doing it. 
you know, maybe Andy had, would have no problem with that. You know, I, when I first got into real estate, I did this nice, this big cardboard and I said, I was going to do cold call. And so I'd go on there and I'd write, you know, if they said yes or no, and then whatever they said to this question, whatever, I made three phone calls and I said, I'm done with that. There's no way. I mean, I got yelled at and then one person talked to me for forever about nothing. And then uh, I got hung up on. And so then it was like, there's, there's no way I'm not, I'm just, I'm not doing that. And so I tried to find my way. It was open houses. You know, and I was going to say, Chris, that, that, that's a glowing example of what I'm kind of saying is that, you know, when I, like, even when I run ads, for an example, so if you're a team leader and you're watching this um, in real estate, you run an ad that says, hey, I'm looking for a self-starter, independent person that's willing to earn straight commission and take all the risk. Good luck finding that unicorn. They don't exist. And in today's marketplace, the best source that I have found is taking people that are really good at what they do in other industries, where, like, for example, if I run an ad that says, hey, I'm paying 15, 20 bucks an hour for model home greeters. Would you like to try what it's like to be a real estate agent and get paid? And I have people that, well, I'm not kidding you, Chris, they, they will send in resumes where these people have master's degrees in, you know, ridiculous industries. They're super smart. They're overeducated. They're executive level people. And they want to try this real estate business, but they don't want to try it necessarily full time, full speed. And, and so, you know, I do think that the, the mindset of a real estate agent is, is that of an entrepreneur and not necessarily a salesperson, because look at how successful Chris Rooney is. And he just told everybody watching this that he's not a salesperson, right? He's not that, hey, I'll make cold calls. Hey, I'll knock on doors. And he's not that guerrilla marketing guy because he doesn't have to be. If you're likable, you make people find comfort in, in making decisions and you can counsel people through that. That's what it's all about, guys. Part of an educator is, is the key thing. And then being fun to hang around with too doesn't hurt at all because then you attract people to you, your personality, but you don't have to sell anything in today's market. It's as I actually told my salespeople last spring preview, if I catch you selling anything, you're fired. Do you think that the, the that that's partially because just socially our world has changed so much and people don't want to be sold to, they want to see value. They don't want to be, they don't want to feel like they're walking into a used car lot for lack of a better, lack of a better term. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, kind of to what Andy was saying is that this is the first year that I, I tried hosts in, in my model homes where I didn't do it. And I just met with people and it was the most successful parade. Um, and we're still working with people because I think they felt that they weren't getting sold and they could look at it without getting attacked, but yet having someone there that's going to give them the information that they want. And then if you want to move to the next level, you know, then, then, then we stepped in. And then when you do that, you know, and let's just say that, uh, well, let's just say it's me. And then I can go talk to rather than sit there, you know, for, for four days a week, six hours a day. Um, and maybe out of those a thousand people get 10 people, you know, um, that I can meet with those 10 people after the fact. And it's just 10, you're going to be a lot more, uh, it's going to be a lot better for the builder, but that's hard for the builders to, uh, understand, you know, cause they want their, their people in there. They think that you're going to sell with everyone, but, uh, thankfully ours is, uh, you know, forward thinking and, uh, and, and it worked, but it is because of, I think what you said too, Courtney, it's just, it's one of those things that people, um, and, and getting sold and, and pushed and it does work. I mean, there's a lot of people that are successful at it and that, that can push it, but 
usually, I mean, I, I always, uh, it's not all always about the sale. It's what about happens after the sale too. And if you're, if you're just getting them in to do it and then worry about the other stuff later, you're not going to last long in this business because it's, it's torture, you know, because you got to think about real estate. What happens is when you close, you get paid. And then after the complaints come in, you have to deal with them. You're not getting paid and it's taken away from the other ones that you're getting paid on. And so if you can control that from the beginning and not have problems after the fact, it's just a lot better life. And then it doesn't become that 24 seven, like Andy's talking about, because that is a, that's a horrible, that's a horrible way to, to live. If you have to live your job 24 seven. Yeah. Also- it, uh, I think that if you have a, a plan, right. So that if you have um, the illusion that you're available 24 uh, seven, but there's the auto texting, there's the, you know, people that you can have your phone rolling to, um, you know, if you need to take a day off, if you have a partner that your phone forwards to, you're okay. That's okay. You can have that time off. I think that there's, there's balance and people will respond well to you when you're balanced because you you're happier. Um, you, you know, you are more relaxed in the model and you're not, like I said, the worst thing salespeople that I've ever met in, in, as far as real estate agents are the ones that are starving for their next paycheck. And they say things differently. They do things differently. And they usually don't have the client's best interest in mind. They have their own because they're in self-preservation mode, right? They're, they're survival. A starving person acts differently than a person that's full. And I'll tell you, the people that have a full business um, are selecting who they do business with. So, you know, when you walk into an open house, you're being interviewed as much as the agents, you know, you're interviewing the agent as, as a consumer. And I think that's something to be, you know, looked at as well, that it's, you know, if you can demonstrate to people what you value or service you provide clearly, and it's something that can't be Googled, um, as I constantly say, um, you're going to be in a position of value. If you're regurgitating things that those people already know, because I'll tell you what, I've never seen smarter consumers than I've seen right now. These people come in and, and here's what's interesting, though. The world of apps, right? And I always say this, that, you know, people are, oh, the, the agents, are you worried about being replaced? No. Because apps don't answer questions the way a real estate agent that knows what to do can. Like how to write an offer, how to present an offer, what time of the day, who to, how to, what, what kind of an angle are you going to take with the presentation? When it's a flat line and it's just, it's, you know, um, I don't know how to say it, linear, where it's just here's an offer written, presented, accepted. It's, it's, you could do all that online, but here's what I'll tell you. All those apps that people are using, like Zillow and some of those that are out there, none of them are making money. And, and eventually what happens with companies that don't make money, even if they're a great concept, they go away. And most discounters end up going away if they can't demonstrate what value add they have. That's why you see companies, again, not, not to pick on Zillow, but more as to, to reiterate what they're doing. They can't make it. And so now they can't sell enough ads. to. to so you go on to Zillow and you click on something. They sell your information to a real estate agent. That's how they made money. They were a lead generation tool. They weren't making enough money doing that or, or any money. So now they've gotten to the point of where they're saying, hey, let us buy your house in an effort to take the whole real estate commission away from the real estate agents. But then it's, a, again, wholesale offer. Who who in today's market would take a wholesale? I still don't understand why they would do it. You can put your house on the market and have it sold in hours if you price it right. Why would you take an extreme discount on that house? And people say, oh, it's so much easier. My houses are selling in two days and they're literally closing in 30. That's no faster or slower than some of those guys. So you know, just understand what's happening in the marketplace is important so you can demonstrate where you fit in. And then you'll do well uh, with real estate, uh, no matter what kind of a market we're in. 
I think you guys are both advocates of the full-time real estate agent too. Uh, you know, long-term having that plan to be a full-time real estate agent, even if you are working a second job. Do you think that it's easier to be successful if you go into real estate having a plan for how you'll get there versus just kind of taking it as it comes? Like to say, okay, I have one year to get all of these, my ducks in a row, and then I'm moving full-time into real estate or two years or whatever that plan looks like. I I think it depends on, I mean, the whole full-time versus part-time is that if you're, if, if you're stressed in, let's just say if you have a second job that helps you stay in real estate, then I say, Hey, second job is fantastic. If you don't have to have a job and you can live for what Andy did and he put a year away, you know, so he could live on that. Um, and able to market himself. I mean, that's obviously if you're putting full time into something, uh, that is a much a much better route to go. It's just not it's just not possible for a lot of people in which to do that. But I'll tell you what, I've seen some very very successful people that are part time realtors. You know, that do very very well. Um, I know one, uh, for instance, that's uh, in Remax. That's a, a flight attendant. You know. And they're, they're just, you know, two or three days off. And then if they're really busy, they just start, you know, taking time off from that other schedule, but they still have that and they're, and they're, they do fantastic. They do re- very well, make five times as much as what they make as a, as a flight attendant, but, uh, but they also enjoy that part. You know, they enjoy being a flight attendant. There's nothing wrong with that. That was like bartending for me. That's still probably my favorite job. I love doing it, but that's really what real estate was. And I'll tell you what, uh, as a, you know, now I don't know about nowadays because you got masks on and everything, but um, it, uh, a waiter, waitress, or a bartender is an unbelievable job because what are you doing? You're trying to get tips and you're trying to get them from multiple different types of people. So you have to be able to get along with those multiple types of people. It's the same thing if I'm sitting in an open house and trying to get to, you know, list their house or work with them as an agent, you know, you have to, you have to adapt and be, and be quick. Otherwise, you're not going to get that tip or that client. And so um, I think that's a great job in which to do side by side too, because you can always like get rid of a shift and those those shifts typically um, you can move them around, you know, to kind of make it work for showings. So it's a great, it's a, it's a good client generator too. When you have a job that's putting you face to face with people in your literal, literally in your neighborhood. You got it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think there's something to be said too, guys, for, the, um, the one thing that a lot of people, you know, probably have never really put into the equation when you're thinking about becoming a real estate agent is what is your benefits package going to be? Well, you don't get one. So, you know, that's where, you know, you talk about the part-time real estate agents. There's a lot of those agents that have families and they need that, that you know, uh, health insurance or maybe there's a dental plan or maybe whatever it is that they have at their current employer that, you know, that they don't want to get rid of. And so, they work extra hours to have the benefit of both. And, and I, I, I value that. I think that's very responsible. Um, I, I, I do, though, when I sit down with agents that are brand new and they come to me and they say, well, part of my plan is to work um, for a year. And the old Henry Ford, which I think, Chris, you were friends with. Um, the, uh, the <laughs> He just had to sneak that in there. Have a plan or plan to fail, I think was his, his one of his best uh, quotes. And, you know, I always require new agents to have some kind of a plan. I don't care if it's a, a vision board on their desk that they can visualize themselves, but I want answers on there. I don't want just a picture of a beach. I want the beach and the date that they're going to be there and what it costs and how they're going to get that, you know, 
So I, I'm a big believer in having a plan, um, number one. But number two, the if you're going to be full-time, and, and this is where I make everybody sit down and do a time management exercise with me when they say they're going to work full-time. I say, first thing we're going to do is put your put what's most important in the world to you on your, on your calendar, which usually is their family. So put the family on there first. And then, you know, religion. Is it school? Is it whatever? Then put your full-time job on there. And then realistically, you look at it and you go, oh my God, I have six hours a week I can dedicate to real estate left. And it, it, to, to, to stay in a prioritized life where people are not mad at you, where everything that's important to you, you're taking care of first. And that, that's the way you should live. And a lot of us don't. A lot of us throw the business in front of all of that. And that's why there's such a high divorce rate in this industry. That's why there's a lot of people that have troubles because, you know, the, the chemical problems, because they sit there and they work till nine, 10 o'clock and go have a you know beer at the, at the local pub because that's all they can do for free time. Anyway, so just you, you want to think it through. Yeah, and if you think about, you know, I, I think one of the things that people shy away from real estate is the 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 hours that you end up working because you usually got to get all your stuff during the day, you know, get that all done and maybe you're showing or doing stuff at night. Well, if you have kids and maybe they're in sports or activities, you know, that you might miss a lot of that stuff. And yeah. that happened to me, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll never forget it because I remember the day is my, it was my kid was turning five years old. Yeah, we He's moving it. his head to the side because Greg commented he can't see what's behind him. Yeah. So Greg, uh, Greg said, what's behind head? And I said, yeah. uh, it's not a trophy. It, but anyways, so my, my kid was five years old. It was his birthday party. And I came to the birthday party. I got to the birthday party. So I was working and I got to the birthday party an hour and a half late. I mean, you see my kid blow out his own candles and, uh, and everyone, everyone looked at me like it was no big deal. Like it, that's just what it is as a realtor. And I'm like, no, that'll never, they'll never happen again. And from that day on, I always put my kids stuff in my schedule first. And then I tried to hide it at the, be- at the beginning and say, oh, you know what? I can't meet you there because I have an appointment. And then one of those clients that I had an appointment that I couldn't be at because I was at another appointment, saw me at Dairy Queen with my kid because he hit a home run. So I was getting him Dairy Queen. You know, and so and it was like, then from that point on, I said, no, I'm just telling them the fact and you, and people respect that and they don't yeah. have a problem with it. And it's like, you know what? Hey, my kids got a game. We're at four 30 to six 30. I could show it to you tonight at seven 30, or we can do it tomorrow night, tomorrow at four, which one works for you. And they don't yeah. have no problem with that. That's this year, know, especially though, that's, that's easier than ever to do because everybody just, even with a regular job, everybody expects that you have family obligations that are going to take precedence during nine to five hours. That the, the best book I ever read when I was starting was that seven habits or six habits of highly effective people with uh, Stephen Coveney. And it talks about that. It, it, there's a, a great video that they have out there where he takes a big pickle jar and uh, the pickle jar has a bunch of rocks on the table and he has pebbles and he has sand and he teaches you how to prioritize. He goes, he starts with the, with the pickle jar full, uh, half full of sand, which is all of the gray stuff in life, like the emails and the phone calls and the distractions. And then he put in the small pebbles and then he said, now put in the things that are important to you, the big rocks, right? Spouse, religion, kids. And, and he couldn't, they couldn't fit it all in. So he said, reprioritize put the big rocks in first, fill in with the little rocks. And then if there's any room left, he said, put some sand in there just to fill in. And he goes, it's amazing how when you prioritize yourself, how everything will fall into place and fit. And that's exactly right. And I, you know, there's people on my team that still to today, will go, 
why do you, Andy, you're so arrogant. Why do you have, um, you know, your assistant um, book all of your appointments? It's, there's a reason because I'd say yes to everything. And I would, I would constantly disappoint people. I know that I can't allow myself to do that because I'm a yes guy. Oh, of course I'll be there. Yes, I would. This way, when somebody else controls my schedule, I can actually sit there and say, listen, I have a football game tonight, which means I can't make it. And I will miss an appointment, but they don't need to know that. So what I'll say is, hey, if I can't be there tonight, I'd love one of my teammates to be there so we can get this offer written or that listing listed tonight. Um, And if it doesn't work for them, I have to be okay with saying then they're not my client because most clients that need to move that fast, that specific and be that, you know, direct aren't, aren't a good fit for most, you know, me anyway. So. So if someone's thinking about getting into real estate, it's, uh, it's, it's a good year to do it. It's a good time to do it. Um, people always need houses. So it's probably always a good time to get into real estate. If you're dedicated to, to making it a priority in your life, um, but what, could, what are some of the things that people should think about in terms of right now getting into real estate? How long is it going to take to get their license? What should they think about in terms of choosing a team to work with all of those things? Um, well, a license, I mean, you have to have, you have to have 30 hours of class and then take a test. There's a state and a federal test, and then you have 60 hours after that, and then you're able to get your license. And then in that first year, you have to have 30 more hours of education. So it's really about 120 hours of education in the first year, but 90 of it has to happen before you actually get your license. Um, but what I would be doing, and, and you're probably cost-wise um, to get started is probably in that $1,500 range after all the classes and all of the other money that you have to pay. Um, but then there's startup costs when you start getting into real estate. Different companies have um, different things that they do, and some put you through training. Um, some encourage you to go on teams, and others are just, hey, you're on your own and go for it, you know, and good luck, and, see, and we'll see what happens. And they find their own way through it. So um, I think it's, you know, you're, I mean, to think you're going to have um, any money coming in, you know, in the first three months, I think it was pretty rare. Uh, in which to be able to do that. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, is that you really got to be honest with yourself and what that you would do and wouldn't do, but you also have to try the stuff. So when I said, I won't go knock on the door or I didn't make a phone call. Well, I did knock on a couple doors and I did make phone calls. I didn't like it. I wasn't going to do it. I'd stop. I'd say, Oh, I'm going to go do it. Oh no, there's a baseball game on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch baseball instead. And I'll call them later. You don't do it. But if you like open houses and that's what you like, and Hey, there's, there's NFL football on on Sunday. I say, that's okay. That's fine. I'll turn on the game in the background. If any clients aren't there, I'll, I'll watch it because then you'll do it. You know? So I think you got to be um, self-aware and then talk to, talk to a few different people, get a few different opinions and uh, see which way you want to you know, go. Cause a company is pretty important too, you know, but I'll tell you what, half the people don't make it the first year. And then I would say of the half people that do make it, I would say at least half of them switch companies after a year too, because they realize, you know, Oh, you know what? Not, that's not what I want. I want to be able to move to this. And I always tell agents that, Hey, it's okay that first time, but if you're a constant mover and a shaker and you keep, you know, what you're doing is you're, cause you're on Facebook telling everyone, Hey, I'm with Remax preferred. It's awesome. We love it here. And next week, Oh, Coldwell Banker is the way for me. I love, I love the color blue. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh gosh, a year later, now you're with Edina Realty. And then, oh boy, now I'm back to Remax. 
And, and if you do that, what, what does that tell your, your clients? You know, I mean, you don't even know what you're doing. How can they trust that you're going to do what's right for them? And so I think you got to, you got to be careful with that and watch that and, and then not blast it over social media all the time when you switch a company. Sometimes it's okay to switch and just slightly do it. And then if people notice that you're with another company, okay. But um, I just think it's, there's too much of that now. There's too much of that in the mortgage industry and the title industry as well. Well, and I think Chris too, you know, that um, as I proudly display my broker's logo behind me, I've been a Remax company since I started. And I'm aware of all the programs that are out there. I'm aware of all the, you know, the different styles of brokerages with multi-level marketing programs and there's kickbacks and, you know, you can get people underneath you. Here, here's the deal. You're, you're in real estate to sell houses, guys and gals. You're, you're not in the business to, you know, get into some multi-level marketing scheme. You're not in the business to, you know, I mean, well, you can be. I mean, you, you can be in the business, the blame game, where you blame your broker for the lack of your success. But the broker's providing you tools. I always say, think of the brokerage as being a shed and has a bunch of tools in it. They have the right tools for what you want to do, but you're still doing all the work. If you're not doing the work and you think the broker is going to do it, then you should join a team. And then a lot of times teams will do work for you, but you can do work side by side and become very profitable and not have to worry about the overhead. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways to approach this business. And I think that, you know, spending a little time to investigate, you know, what, what side of the business do you want to be on? Like, I know um, when you look at the, there's a million different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, if you want to sell houses, have an environment that you thrive, you're the only one that knows what's important to you. So make that list, write it down, interview the brokers and sit down and say, hey, listen, you know, can you help me do this? And if you have a plan and they say, boy, I don't know how to do that. That's not the right broker for you. On the other hand, if the broker says, hey, I'm really good at that. I just did that for another agent. Let me help you get going on this. I'll slingshot you ahead and save you a year's worth of headaches. Wow, what a great opportunity for you, right? So, you know, I just, I don't know. I always, I always get, like Chris is saying, I always have a hard time when I see agents switching broker to broker and, or, and they blame the brokerage, you know? Yeah, and I, but I, I do think, I mean, there's a, a lot of brokerages that might not work for me or might not work for you, but it works really good for other people. So I think that's yep. why you have to check it out. Um, and, and see which one works for you. And, uh, and if it is, you know, you're whatever multi-level, you know, if there's, if you're a good recruiter, that's a yeah. great thing to do, you know, but it's, it's totally up to you and what kind of uh, atmosphere uh, that you want and, and, and who's surrounding you. I think that's yeah. probably most important. Um, I know we didn't touch heavily on this throughout today's show. It's mostly been about getting into real estate as an agent, but what about investment properties? Do you guys think it's a good time to invest in investments and in, in, invest in rental properties? If, if you know what you're doing, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, I was heavily into investment properties and, and I, I think if I wouldn't have had them, I wouldn't be, uh, I would be talking to you from Jamaica right now, probably. So, um, and, and not that, and it wasn't that. I don't think it's a good thing to do, invest in real estate. But, um, you know, if you don't know how to do anything and all the toilets break on a Sunday, it gets kind of expensive uh, in which to be able to fix. So I think you got to know what you do. And I mean, and, and my thing was, is, is more, I love buying them. I love buying houses and, and getting them. And then I'm like, well, I can't do nothing with them because I'm too busy. So let's just rent them out. Then you get a few bad eggs, rental renters, and then they wreck everything. And then you fix it up again. And then the next one wrecks it. So you just got to know what you're getting into, but yeah, no, it's fantastic. If you're, I mean, if you're a handy person and you stay on top of it, 
it's a great thing in which to do. And now's a now's a good time. You're not you're not getting the best buys right now because I mean, unless you can do um, be a Zillow person like Andy said and buy some wholesale properties um, because it is it is when you, what what you buy it for. That's what is ends up going to be uh, how you make money. Well, I think that's why you're seeing a lack of cash in the marketplace right now. It, it equates to just what Chris said that when there's a cash on cash return, it's not as attractive at this moment um, because rents are, are capping because finally after what, nine, 10 years of it going up 5% or more a year, we're seeing where rents have kind of plateaued a little bit because with the amount of people moving into owning homes, there, there has been a little less pressure on the rental uh, side of things. So that the landlords are not charging as much, but the, the other you know side of that, you know, when you look at, um, if you're going to borrow money to own a rental property, the cost of borrowing the money is a lot cheaper now than it used to be. So that that for some investors is a good idea. You know, even though they're paying more, there's still money to be made on the yield with between what they're charging and what they they you know cost to own it. And the idea is if you hold the asset forever and you have your costs locked in, um, that can be a good investment for you. Um, it's just that you know most of investors that we talk to that are big investors want to see at least an 8 to 12% cap rate. Um, and you just can't do that right now with, with some of the prices. Too hard. Awesome. If you have additional questions about investment property or, um, or about getting into real estate, definitely drop those in the comments even after the show because we can incorporate them into next week's show or in the future. Um, we have a couple of questions from Greg that are more specific to the real estate market this week um, and maybe in the future that I'll drop in here too. How is the market during an election year and do neighborhood election signs affect real estate sales? I, uh, sorry, I've got someone. Depends on if you like them or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, I think it makes a huge difference because we've had, Political science has always been uh, a nemesis of mine. Like you move into Minneapolis where people, a lot of people have a lot of different causes that they believe in. And so they put a sign in their yard for the cause that they want to support. Well, that will limit the neighbor that moves in next door that says, I don't support that cause. Just like deep, you know, sensitizing your house when you sell it, removing religious symbols, removing whatever, because you want the house not to have an opinion. You want people to judge the house for what it is the price, the location, you don't want them to put another level of eh on, on top of it. So political signs, I, I, I chuckle because there's a neighborhood over in Centerville that I love driving down the street. It's right off of the lake. And all these homeowners on the lake, you, you the first big billboard is Trump on, on the one guy's yard. And then the next guy next door has a dump Trump sign. <laughs> And, and I'm like, what a confused neighborhood. And you drive down this street and the whole street's like Trump, Biden, Trump, Biden, Trump, Biden. And it's 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 kind of funny. But if you were a home buyer and you were looking at, hey, I want to get into that neighborhood. Oh, my God. I'd be like, oh, this is a little turmoil here. I don't know if this is an interesting neighborhood for me. So for, for the question of does it affect people, I sure think it does. 100%. I mean, I, I sold my house during this uh election cycle. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of people ask me if they could put signs. My, my property is positioned kind of nicely for signs. And I'm like, I can't, not when I'm listing my house, you know, I can't do it. And so um, it's just, 
there's no reason. And that's why, you know, like realtors, you know, I think sometimes get a little political as well. You know, if you're kind of, uh, and, and I'm fine. Hey, if it's yourself and that's who you want to be able to work with, that's great. But I also think about my clients that, you know, there's a whole group out there that want to buy the house and probably half of them are one way and half of them are the other way. Why would we want to alienate half the crowd? Mm-hmm. You know, so it just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. And it, but ultimately that's up to the seller. I've had a lot of listings that have had signs or things inside their house or, um, you know, but it's just, it's got to come down. They got to come down to be able to sell it and to take photos. Otherwise it's just not, it, it doesn't help them, but if they want to do it, hey, no problem. Then, then, then we do it. So. The market has been a little bit quiet in the last week for new listings. Do you guys think that's because agents are recommending that their clients wait until after the election to list? I, I mean, I've, I, I, I don't know if it's like we've been asking, but I think people have been thinking that okay. and just seeing what's going to happen. You know, there was a, there's a big rush to get stuff on the market before the election. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. I had that, but uh, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Next week. Next week, we'll know a lot. Yes, we will. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Any other thoughts on real estate in an election year? We've we've hit that topic so many times. I think well, it's... Let me, let me say this, though. Because I, 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 we had this conversation last night. I had a customer writing a new purchase agreement with a new build. And we talked about that. And they were asking about when should they sell their existing house and do you think the election is going to make a difference on the value of our house? And I said, you know, maybe because think about this. So somebody next week is going to be like, yes, our person won. And somebody else is going to be, oh, no, my person lost. But that doesn't stop people from buying and selling houses. It, it may distract them for a little while. Their confidence might change. But for one group, the confidence is going to go up. For the other, the confidence is going to go down. So it's like, what, what shift do you want? And, and I don't know, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference because there's a lot of, I mean, at least short-term, uh, maybe long-term, you know, different strategies or different policies will, will change the way people look at things. But um, I think short-term, you still have a housing issue where we need houses and interest rates are low and that, that'll continue to harbor that pressure on the marketplace. And, and I think you'll see strong sales through the end of the year and into next year, regardless of who wins. Awesome. Well, we have a we have a few minutes left, so we can switch over from our, uh, our show topic today and into some of last week's questions. Look at that transition! That was so good, you guys. When we only have a few minutes left, and then they started cheering, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> don't don't criticize my transition. That was the smoothest one yet, Mister Rooney. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, will switching jobs in the months before applying for a construction loan or mortgage affect our ability to get the loan? Very possible. I'll tell you, you you need to talk to your lender before you do anything. Don't do it and then try to get them to redo it. I mean, they can figure it out for you. You know, so just just whatever you do, talk to your lender, or talk to um, your agent uh, before you make that move. Great advice. Ditto. Question two: What are some signs that an area is really good to purchase in? Um, that Trump sign, dump Trump. That one, that neighborhood, Andy. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think you, I think a, a good area is that um, if you, if the neighborhood's in good repair, uh, if you look around and the houses have, um, the yards are nice and they're, they're well taken care of. Um, that, I think that's a huge thing. Um, you know, if you don't see a, a ton of cars, um, you know, a ton of cars, it could mean a, a bunch of different things, but that doesn't help you really, um, you know, if you have old cars that aren't working, sitting on the side of your driveway, and there's six in your both neighbors' houses, both sides, um, it typically means that, uh, you know, that's not, it's usually, it's, it's usually a rental, and that they're letting anything happen, because it means six cars in a, in a house is, I mean, that's excessive. And so it's, it's things like that, that I think, uh, you know, that's what I, I would look for. Now we can't push people one way or the other. And people say, Hey, is there kids in the neighborhood? You know? And, uh, you know, Hey, you, I don't know, but I mean, there's a elementary school close by and go look in the backyards. You know, if you see swing sets and stuff like that, that usually kind of gives away kids I, other than Andy's swing set he plays on. Um, it's usually that they have younger kids. Yeah, there, there was a lot of things said there, and I agree. I think that there's, you know, Chris, the the old uh, uh, example of, of having the car up on blocks. Well, now, you know, you might have a client that's a mechanic and thinking, oh, man, this would be great. Now we can talk car stories. So you might have a person attracted to that neighborhood because of that. And so it's our job as agents to really help you find what's important to you and, and then help you go out there without, as Chris is saying, steering um, and saying, you know, hey, why don't you go take a look? You tell me what you think. Or, hey, you know, are there a lot of families around the neighborhood? Well, I always say, why don't you come in the middle of the day, you know, afternoon, evening, a couple times throughout the day, and just make an observation yourself to decide if this is something that's interesting to you. And, and people love to do that. They'll, they'll come driving around the middle of the day and they're like, oh, my gosh, there was lots of young mothers and babies walking in strollers and the park is full. Well, if that's what you're looking for, hey, mission accomplished, let's write that offer. And I think we should quantify that comment as, I mean, what's a good area or what is what helps real estate value rise? And that's what I was going on was what the value is. Now, whether or not it's a good area or not, that you, you're right on. It depends upon the person and what they want, you know, but um, what is the value of real estate? You know, um, I mean. Oh, OK. So maybe I misinterpreted the question. Like, are there are you saying are there key signs? The key sign that I would say for a neighborhood for improving or, or going up in value is when you see a lot of construction trucks where people are adding additions on the houses, remodeling. Um, that's where people are investing back into their properties and adding value. Um, why? That, that's why? a good thing. Why? Why aren't they just moving and going somewhere else? Because they, they love the area. It's, it's yeah, it, it's a great area to live. And so people reinvest into areas that they love. Yeah. Last question for you guys. Got one more. We're going to make yeah, one it. more quick one. Yeah. What key yeah. factors do you look for when deciding which offer to take? If they can yes. do it or not financing. Financing is a huge thing. You can say anything you want and offer anything you want, but if you can't buy it in the end, it's worthless offer. So I yep. think that to me is, is financing is number one. Big, big, uh, and a tie into that is with deposits. So when you write your offer and you're 3% down versus your 30%, um, the 30% offer nowadays, a lot of times they get their appraisals waived. They have all kinds of different rules that they don't have to apply to. So it buys you as a seller some freedoms in the future or hurdles that you don't have to jump over 
um, you know, with the bigger deposits too. All depends on where the money goes or where the money's at. Yeah. There's more rules when you have less money involved. I'll tell you the other thing though, there are some times, I mean, I've, I've had them, people put 50% down, they're self-employed and they're doing a jumbo loan. They're, they're having a hard time getting a loan right now because of the COVID restrictions they put on there. And then you get someone that's three and a half percent FHA or 0% down VA and they fly right through it. No problem. Done deal. So, I mean, it really depends on the situation. Totally. Totally. Great show today, guys. Thank you everyone for listening and joining us. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Share us with your friends if you are so willing. Uh, If you want to re-listen to the show, you can listen to it starting tomorrow on any podcast app that you prefer. And if you have questions for the show or if you have a recommendation for a guest for the show, share that with me, Courtney, at AmplifyUp.com. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com. Or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.